Today we are going to wrap up chapter 17. It's the chapter of David and Goliath, and it's a really long chapter, 58 verses, possibly the longest chapter in the book of Shmuel, I didn't check, but we're talking 58 verses, and we have three more verses to go. And we saw in the last Shior that David, he slays Goliath, he cuts off his head using Goliath's own sword, and the Jews begin chasing down the fleeing Philistines, slaying the Philistines as they flee to their cities in Ekron and Gat. And then the Jewish soldiers return to the Philistine camp and they plunder it of all its goodies. But while they're doing that, David, the verse says, is interested in publicizing the miracle. So he takes Goliath's head and Goliath's armor and his sword and he parades it through the streets of Jerusalem as a way of announcing to the Jewish people what happened. And this kind of reminds me what happened during the exodus from Egypt, that while the Jews were taking the silver and the gold from the Egyptian houses before their exodus, it says that Moses, he was busy looking for the coffin of Yosef at Sadiq, the biblical Joseph, because he wanted to take him out of Egypt because many, many years earlier, Joseph before dying made the Jews swear to take him out of Egypt. So Moses was going in the Nile looking for his coffin while the rest of the children of Israel were busy taking the silver and gold. So it says that David, he brought the sword of Goliath into the tabernacle in Jerusalem. That's where the Mishkan was. And he left the sword there, the Redak says, that whenever someone would come to the tabernacle to pray, he would look at that sword and be reminded of the miracle. And that would give him more kavana in his prayer. So that's where we left off. And now verses 55 to 58, the final verses of the chapter, they seem almost surreal because it's like a flashback. Let's read the verses. Listen carefully. Verse 55. And when Saul saw David going out towards the Philistine, he said to Avner, the general of his army, Who is that young man, Avner? And Avner said, Avde said, by the life of me, king, I have no idea who that is. So this is a little bit of a flashback. We're going back in time a little bit. This is before David actually kills Goliath. Saul sees him going out and he says to Avner, who is this young man? And Avde says, I don't know. Verse 56, And the king said, we'll find out who this young man is. Verse 57, And as David returned from slaying the Philistine, Avner took him, and he brought him before Saul. And the Philistine's head was in his hand. So you just have to picture that. David comes to Saul, and he's holding Goliath's head in his hand. He's probably got him by the hair. And now the final verse of the chapter, Vayomer love Shaul. And Saul asks him, Ben Mieta, who are you the son of? Vayomer David, and David said, Ben Avdachai Betalachmi, I am the son of your servant Jesse, from Bethlehem, from Bethlehem. Now that's a strange couple of verses right there. Why is it strange? Because Saul keeps asking, who is this young man? I mean, he should know him. I mean, he should know who David is. He just spoke to him a few verses ago when he offered to dress him up in his armor. More than that, it says in the last chapter, says that whenever Saul got an evil spirit, his Ruach Hara, David would play for him and soothe him. And it even said there that Saul loved him very much. 
loved him very much, it says. He was his arms bearer, etc. So why is he asking here, who is this? And he keeps asking it like three times in an almost obsessive way. First he asks Avner, then he asks David himself at the end of the chapter and he gets the answer. So what's going on? Well, according to the Pshat, the Mitzvah David, Saul wasn't always 100%. He had these episodes of the Ruach Hara, the evil spirit would overcome him. And he forgot because he's not always functioning at full capacity. Again, that's according to the Mitzudat David, but other commentators say other things. The Ralbag says like this, look, Saul, he had a lot of attendants and people who served him who were coming in and out of the palace. Now, David wasn't there every day. We saw he would go back and forth from Beit Lechem to the king's palace. So while the scripture was focusing on David playing for Saul, in the larger scheme of things, Saul had a lot of people around him who carried his vessels. It's as David was his Nosei love, But we said that's not necessarily an arms bearer, but a carrier of his vessels. So Saul had a lot of those, carrying his weapons, carrying his vessels, serving him in all kinds of different ways. So Saul doesn't remember David. But that perush is also a little problematic to say that Saul doesn't know him that well, because as mentioned, he just spoke to him. The verse said that he loved him very much. So the Ralbag, he gives yet another explanation. It's like this. If you recall, King Saul had made an offer that he who slays the Philistine will marry his daughter. We saw that earlier in the chapter. So it's not that he didn't know who David was, but when he saw him going out to battle with Goliath, he wanted to know that since this young man may become my son-in-law, I want to know more about him. So he asks Ben Mize. He's not really asking, who is that? Literally, he's saying, who is this young man, the son of? He's really asking Ben Mize, who is his father? Why? Because if this young man is going to be his mishpacha, they're going to be in-laws. He wants to know his future in-laws. He wants to know a little background about them. He wants to know their lineage. So he asks, who is he the son of? Who's his father? But that's also problematic because David's father, Jesse, he was very well known. And we established that earlier. Plus, it said in the previous chapter that Saul would ask Jesse if he could release his son David from Bethlehem and allow him to come to the palace. So Saul should know who David's father is. He should know Yishai. So that answer also has holes in it. And so the decisive answer to this question, what Saul is really asking here, the most convincing answer is given at length in the Talmud in Yebamot 86. And before I read it, to give background, it has to do with what we learned a few classes ago concerning David's dubious origins. We called the Shior David the Moabite, and we discussed how he had a problematic lineage because he was descended from Ruth the Moabite. Okay, so let's get into this Talmud and explain it. First of all, first of all, like we mentioned, Saul is asking Ben Mize, who is he the son of? He's not asking, who is this, as if he doesn't know him. Literally, he's asking, who is this young man's father? Now, Ben in Tanakh doesn't always mean just son. It means descendant. When it says Ben in scripture, it could be the son. It could be the grandson. It could be the great-grandson and onwards. So Saul, by asking Ben Mize, who is he descended from? Who are his ancestors? Now, why does Saul ask? Well, he sees David acting in a very kingly manner, going against Goliath, going through the streets of Jerusalem, publicizing the victory. He's got leadership qualities. He's not just this gentle, humble singer of the Psalms like Saul thought he was. 
And so feeling that David might be the threat to his throne, he wants to know his lineage, if he has a royal lineage. So the Talmud says that there was a tradition that if David comes from the family of Peretz, he'll be the king. However, if he comes from the family of Zerach, he'll be an important person, but not the king. Now, who is Peretz and Zerach? Well, going back to the book of Genesis, to the biblical Yehuda, the progenitor of the tribe, he had two children with Tamar, Peretz and Zerach. So Saul's inquiring, who's he from? Is he from Peretz or Zerach? And then the Talmud says that Saul's main advisor, Doega Adomi, says to Saul, wait, wait, wait. Before you ask whether he's descended from Zerach or Peretz, if he's from a royal line, you're going too far back. First of all, ask whether or not he's a legitimate Jew, since he's descended from Ruth the Moabite. And since the verse in Deuteronomy, chapter 23, verse 3 states clearly, Lo yavo Moavi bekal Hashem, that a Moavite is not allowed to ever convert to Judaism, that means that David isn't even Jewish, since he's descended from Ruth the Moavite. So that's what Doeg says, to delegitimize David. And then the Talmud says that Avner, Saul's general, responds to Doeg, and he says like this, but it's been taught by the rabbis that the female Moavites are allowed to convert. The prohibition is on the men only. Moavi velo Moavia, Amoni velo Amonia, just the men. And therefore Ruth is a legitimate convert to Judaism. And so David is a kosher Jew. Okay, so now things get even crazier because Doeg, who was a big posek in that generation, is going to respond to Avner. And he'll give the reason for the prohibition. What's the logic in it? What is the reason that the Moavites were considered beyond the pale and not allowed to ever convert to Judaism? What did they do wrong? What did they do to deserve this? The book of Deuteronomy in chapter 23 explains it. Because when the Jews left Egypt, the Moavites and the Ammonites, they did not go out to meet the Jewish people and help them and offer them water and bread when the Jews were thirsty and hungry. And someone who could be that cruel, who would refuse to give the children of Israel water in such a situation, they can never be allowed to convert since it shows that they have no soul, they have no compassion. And that's why the Moavites were banned. But then the rabbis excuse the females from this. Why? Because it's not the way the proper way for women to go out and bring water to the people. You can't expect the Moabite women to go out and do that. And that's why the females of Moab are kosher converts. We can't blame them for not going out. It's not the way of a woman to go out. It's not sneers. It's not modest. That's the reason females are exempt from the prohibition. And therefore, Ruth is a kosher convert. And then Doega Domi, who's Saul's number one advisor, he comes along and he says like this, well, if that's the reasoning, if it's a matter of sneers and modesty and you can't expect the women to go out, well, the men should have gone out to the men and the women could have went out to the women. That is, if you're worrying about modesty, there was a way to get around it. Let the Moavite women give water to the Jewish women. But they didn't do that. And therefore, Doeg says, the females of Moab are culpable meaning that the prohibition applies to them too, and so Ruth is not kosher, nor is her great-grandchild, David. So Doeg has this great argument against David, and it says in the Talmud that nobody had anything to answer. Doeg silenced them all. He silenced them with his brilliance. Now Saul had two generals, 
One was Avner Bener, as we mentioned, and the other one was Amasa Ben Yeter. Now, Amasa Ben Yeter, he disagreed with Doeg's halachic ruling. And the Talmud says that Amasa Ben Yeter pulled out his sword like a Yishmaelite. That's the word of the Talmud. And Amasa said, whoever doesn't obey this halacha, I will stab him. And the halacha, as brought down by Shmuel the prophet is, Moavi velo Moaviyah, Amoni velo Amoniyah. That is the prohibition to convert applies to the men only. So lay off David, he is a kosher Jew. So we see by this that there was a huge machloket between Doeg Adumi and Shmuel the prophet. Those were the two big rabbis of that generation. Shmuel the prophet gave the psak that the women can convert. And Doeg went by the pshat of the verse that the prohibition to convert is on the men and the women. So we see it just wasn't clear in that generation what the halacha was because there was no established tradition until Ruth came along. I mean, how many Moavites wanted to convert to Judaism? Okay, so that's the Talmud. But looking at the big picture here, what's going on? What's happening? Saul sees in David's words and actions this unbelievable bitachon. He had thought of him always as this sensitive, gentle soul. And suddenly, he's something else. He's totally sure of himself. He's a natural-born leader. And he asks three times, Ben Mize, Ben Mize. Especially when he sees the tribe of Judah going crazy. We saw verse 52 last time, how a special mention is given to the tribe of Yehuda who cheered when David slew Goliath. The verse says, they rose up and they cheered. So Saul sees all this. He knows that David is from the tribe of Yehuda. He probably knows there's a tradition that the kingdom comes from Yehuda. So he's starting to get nervous. So he inquires about David. So he inquires about his lineage if he's from the royal lineage, from Peretz. Doeg calms him down. Don't worry about it. He's from Ruth the Moavite. And Saul's figuring someone with such dubious lineage, he can't possibly end up being the king. He's descended from a convert. Even if we say that Ruth's conversion was legitimate, he's descended from converts. Come on. How could the king of Israel be descended from converts? This guy probably won't be the next king. He's not the threat I thought he was. And so for a little while anyway, Saul can rest easy. And in the final verse, when Saul asks David ben Mieta, who are you the son of? How does David answer him? David answers, who am I the son of? Ben Avdecha Yishai Betelachmi. I'm the son of your servant Yishai from Bethlehem. So David answers Saul so, so humbly, Ben Avdecha Yishai, the son of your servant Jesse. So simple, so pure. And for the moment, Saul stops worrying. At least for tonight, he'll be able to sleep. No worries in his head. This young man cannot possibly be the guy who's going to replace me. But as Rabbi Kahana writes in his commentary, Saul forgot something. He forgot that it's the humble and simple people who are precisely the ones that Hashem chooses as his leaders. Saul himself was once like that. Didn't Saul say to the prophet Shmuel when he was anointed, Am I not from the smallest tribe of Israel? I'm from the youngest family. I'm not deserving of it. Saul was also chosen because of his humility. The problem is, once you get to the top, you don't want to come down. You forget your past. You forget what brought you there. Okay, so that is the chapter. And we basically see here in these final three verses, the tip of the iceberg of what is going to be Saul's obsession with David. In the next chapter, his envy will become a full-blown pandemic. But we see already here, at the end of this Goliath episode, those pangs of envy are beginning to take root. Oh yeah, he's thrilled 
the David slew Goliath. But with that, we see there's some mixed feelings going on. And we'll see in the next chapter how he becomes consumed with jealousy towards David. Stay tuned.